0: You're listening to the best of Halford and Brough. You're listening to Halford and Brough. Gordon went back to the sideline. Briskers over there too. end zone. Hawkinson touchdown. Florida, number 12, has two minutes of roughing, and then every player on the ice has a 10-minute misconduct. Brady,
1: Matthew,
0: I warned you. Sorry, Sorry
2: Mom. We had lots of chances. We're still losing, so we got to find a way to win. Yeah!
1: Fire! What? Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Brough. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver, Jason. Good morning. Good morning, A Dog. Good morning to you. Good <laughs> morning, Laddie. Good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. And intern Joseph. Good morning to you as as well. How's it going? Nah, Not that great. Apparently, yeah. Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari <laughs> Family of Accurate Dealers. <laughs> Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by Everything Financial. Financial Freedom awaits book your introductory meeting today. Visit them online at everythingfinancial.com. I cannot believe the amount of time that we prep, practice, and prepare things, and yet the execution still comes off. I'm dying
3: over here. That was hilarious. So
1: poorly. Not even close. Maybe worse than
3: yesterday. The
2: best part is we planned We worked on it.
3: We
0: did 47 (laughs) takes. And that was the best one. It's unbelievable. We're going to have to get the intern to say good morning. Can we accomplish this? We cannot we are coming to you live from the kintech studio kintech footwear and orthotics canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 2500 five-star google reviews find your perfect fit at kintech.net laddie gets in my
1: ear while bruff's talking he's like i think we got it ready let's try it again okay intern joseph i'm gonna say hello to you now hello and good morning intern
0: joseph
3: hey guys uh I think I got it right this time. You How are
1: you guys? Don't put it on yourself. This is not on you. This is 1,000% on the would it, would it him. be
0: too confusing to give the intern the nickname Greg? Because he's tall and he reminds me of Greg from Succession.
1: Yes. We cannot have two people named Greg. <laughs> you can't have a real Greg and a fake You guy. can't. You can't. Uh, you can't do that. No. Anyway, uh, intern Joseph, good morning <laughs> to you. Welcome aboard. back aboard. And we will get that uh, that greeting sorted out by the end of the week. Okay. Uh, what's happening on the program today? You may want to know. 6.30, Greg Wachinski, ESPN, NHL Insider, is going to join us on the program. Uh, there's big news. Out of the Detroit Red Wings camp this morning. We'll get to that and what happened. Also, we'll talk to Greg about the return of Andy's favorite all-star format. And yes, of course, very on brand. Andy has a favorite all-star format. It's awesome. I love. You're very excited, very excited about excited. Yeah, so 6.30, Greg Wyshynski is going to join the show. 7 o'clock, Anthony LaPlanta from the Minnesota Wild. He's their play-by-play guy. Dean Evason out. Second coach in the NHL fired this season. Uh, John Hines. John Hines, as you pointed out, Laddie, with a a history of very little success in the regular season, Mm -hmm. comes aboard. Uh, Playoffs, too. Minnesota uh, will be in Vancouver next Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, December 7th. So we'll get to see them relatively soon. We'll talk to Anthony LaPlante about a disappointing team and a major coaching change behind the bench. 7.30, Jonathan Davis from NHL Network is going to join us. Uh, He's a West Coast guy. He covers the Ducks and the Kings. We'll talk to him about tonight's opponent. In Vancouver, 7 o'clock, Rogers Arena. It is the incoming Anaheim Ducks. Uh, 8 o'clock, Brendan Batchelor, Canucks Radio Play-by-Play Man, is going to be on the show. So we got a huge show ahead, a lot of guests, a lot of hockey talk. Working in reverse. 8 o'clock, it's Batch. 7.30, it's Jonathan Davis. 7 o'clock, it's Anthony LaPlanta. Uh, 6.30, Greg Wasinski. We're also giving away a pair of Canucks tickets tonight. It's not for tonight's game. It's for that bi- another big litmus test game Thursday. Against the Vegas Golden Knights at Rogers Arena, November
0: 30th, 7 o'clock. We're giving away a pair of tickets for the best what we learned on today's show. Yeah, hopefully Vegas is a little bit tired because they went into Calgary last night and they lost to the Flames. And <laughs> they play Edmonton tonight yeah. and then just a day off before playing the Canucks. Did you see the goal that Aiden Hill let in? Okay,
1: that's your that's your assignment for the next three minutes
0: this is okay. go look at it
1: and then draw stink lines over Aiden Hill because it was not good. But maybe I was missing something. You're the goalie expert. You're going to tell me. That was a weird
0: overtime, too. The whole thing was strange. Because the Flames started with a four-on-three, and then there were no whistles Mm. for the entire overtime, uh, and the Flames scored with, like, four seconds left in it.
1: Four-on-four. Four-on-four overtime. It was old school. Yeah, the fans (laughs) were like, we're getting ripped off here. (laughs) It sucks. (laughs) But then they won, so they were happy. Okay, uh, so that's everything that's happening on the program today. Uh, Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened.
0: Hey, did you guys see the game last
1: night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I our- was. We know how busy your life can be. What
3: happened? You missed that?
1: You missed that? What happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, or resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. I mentioned off the top, there's big news. This morning, out of Detroit, Patrick Kane is now a member of the Detroit Red Wings. According to multiple outlets, Kane is on the verge or has already signed a one-year deal with the Red Wings. This after a number of teams, including the Florida Panthers, the Buffalo Sabres, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Dallas Stars, and a handful of others expressed interest in the 35-year-old coming off Fairly significant hip surgery. Patrick Kane, now a member of the Detroit Red Wings.
0: Yeah, I was listening to a bit of uh, Frege on this yesterday, and he mentioned the Red Wings. Um, He also mentioned that Dallas, it might be more that Patrick Kane wanted Dallas, and Dallas didn't really have interest in Patrick Kane. So, I don't know, maybe Detroit wasn't even his first pick, but he ends up there... And I guess it's worth noting that he reunites with Alex DeBrincat, sure. And those guys had a lot of success together in Chicago. Um, the last team that Kane picked, the New York Rangers, uh, he reunited with Panarin. And the Rangers were out in the first round. So we'll see if the Red Wings can even make the playoffs. Um, it is interesting, though, because the Red Wings play Chicago they host Chicago, so it's not the same. They're not at Chicago, but they play Chicago on Thursday. And the day before that, tomorrow, they're in New York to play yeah. the Rangers.
1: Yeah, it, it's going to be oh, – well, I have no idea when Kane will actually be able to get back in the lineup. I know he's been skating for an awfully long time, and the agency uh, – really several videos of him doing drills in the anticipation of, yeah, he's ready to go. Right Now, the, the surgery is pretty significant. Right. Um, we've seen NHLers go through different variations of it. Like it's basically hip resurfacing and some have been able to come what back
0: is hip resurfacing.
1: Sorry. What do they do there? Uh, I believe that they take the. Now, here's where my medical degree comes in. Should, everyone listen up. This <laughs> should be should interesting. Be good. I believe that the uh, ball and socket is they actually take it out and then smooth it over. So, that oh, it's, yeah. We have a little polish. Yeah, right. The guy goes in with a belt sander and just kind of like. Got, e- e- yeah, e- e- yeah. E- e- now is where the medical degree really comes in handy. Yeah, okay. Um, Detroit hasn't made the playoffs since 2016, right? So, this is kind of a shot across the league that if you sign Patrick Kane, you're not doing it to have a pretty good regular season but fall short of the playoffs. Like, he wants to compete for a Stanley Cup. I think the Red Wings are ready to get back in the mix. As If you ever want to tie anything back to the Canucks, you can always do it with Detroit. So I still have no idea why they decided to move on from Philip Haronic if they are indeed in their competitive window. Mm-hmm. It re- I mean, the more I look at it, the more it just doesn't really make sense to me. I've seen enough of Hronik now to know he's pretty good at what he does. Yeah. He's a good defenseman. And him and Hughes, both of which were basically packaged here from Detroit, albeit in different fashions, are one of the top pairings in the NHL. So if Detroit, and again, I think Patrick- I know. I just keep waiting for like the bottom to fall out of Horonic, and they're like, ah, that's Stevie Y. I j- you know what? Even if you don't think as highly of him, and I'm talking about Iserman in terms of his ceiling, mm-hmm. you're still in your competitive window now. You're still trying to make the playoffs— Now, you just signed a 35-year-old free agent to win this year. Like, you're not signing Patrick Kane to an eight-year deal. Hold
0: on a a second. Let's not overstate this Patrick Kane signing. This is a low-risk move for the Detroit Red Wings. This is not even close to an all-in move. They had the cap space. He's interested in joining them. There's that history with Debrinket. I don't... There's no, what's the risk in signing Patrick Kane? There's no risk, but. There's, there's risk in signing Philip Peronik to a long-term contract because he's going to need to be paid a lot and for a long time. You understand what I'm saying conceptually, though. Like, this
1: is more of a symbolic signing than an actual, he's going to help us do a ton of things on the ice signing. Like, he chose them over other teams that were probably a little bit more assured of a playoff spot because mm-hmm. I think that they're ready to step forward. We talked about the three teams in that division that were all looking to make that next step. Ottawa, Detroit, Buffalo. Right now I'd say yeah. Detroit probably is leading that pack. But
0: right? again, this is a low risk move for Steve Eiserman. If, if Patrick Kane wants to sign with you and you've got the cap space, aren't you in a kind of a situation where you're like, yeah, might as well? <laughs> it was an old shrug of the shoulder. Like I don't leg. think I don't I don't think sure. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's as symbolic as you think it is. I don't think it's the Red Wings going like we are ready to roll because we're. Signing Patrick Kane to a one-year deal. There's Red no, no commitment Ted. there.
1: Red Wing Ted. He texted into the show this morning, and apparently we broke this news to Red Wing Ted. So, yes, one, I guess congratulations are in order for you. Patrick Kane is now a member of the Detroit Red Wings. You tell us, Red Wing Ted. What did you think of them moving on from Philip Haronic? Do you think they're ready to make the playoffs? Uh, we will move on to another team that is not going to make the playoffs as currently <laughs> going. Uh, the Minnesota Wild. Second coaching casualty of the season, the Minnesota Wild yesterday announced that Dean Evason and his assistant coach Bob Woods were out in Minnesota. Uh, the news came after I think all of the Wild struggles finally landed on our radar because you did the, the the notes over the weekend for Monday's show, and mm-hmm. Monday's show was wow, look at the Minnesota Wild seven game losing streak, incredibly frustrated. They're way out of a playoff spot, and you know as it pertains to the Vancouver Canucks, one of those teams that dropped out of last year's picture that the Canucks could replace. We mentioned John Hines comes in as the new head coach, and it really looks like a team that's out of
0: answers right now.
1: I know I mentioned, I think it was when you were on vacation. I, I,
0: I bet Bill Guerin didn't really want to make this better. I bet he didn't either. But he just kind of felt maybe he had pressure from the owner. There were reports from Russo at The Athletic that the owner was not very happy with what's going on, so maybe Bill Guerin was like, well, i got to do something, and we all know the cap situation in the NHL, so... Uh, John Hines, you're the the solution. And they knew each other from
1: previously working, uh, I guess it was in the Pittsburgh organization. But um, when you were on vacation, I mentioned in the notes of one of the shows with Jimmy Dodd that... Um, Bill Guerin, prior to them going to Sweden, right, to play those games where it became the William Nylander yeah, celebration. Yeah, yeah. he gave them a bit of a kick in the butt, didn't he? Yeah, and then they went 0-2-2 <laughs> after that. <laughs> so, like, I guess he ran out of ideas. He's like, I tried firing you guys up. Now I got to fire your coach.
0: So, Well, their peak is so bad that maybe they're hoping a guy can come in and have some ideas. I don't know. They've dug a, a pretty big hole. The guy that I'm watching right now is DJ Smith in Ottawa because the Sens last Night had a pretty bad loss. It was at home. Yeah, I got skunked. They got beaten five nothing by the Florida Panthers, who are a pretty good team, by the way. The Canucks beat them, but now that they're kind of more back to full strength, that's that that might be the best team in the division of all those teams. Including Boston's taking a step back. You mm-hmm. know, Toronto, Tampa Bay. We all know they've had their struggles this year. Maybe it's. Still Florida there. Uh, They did go to the Stanley Cup final last year. Uh, But DJ Smith had a quote last night that said, um, you know, this one's on me. I didn't have the guys prepared to go. Now, we hear coaches say that sometimes. Um, Maybe in some cases it's to take the pressure off the players. Uh, Maybe it's just a cliche or maybe it's like a passive aggressive thing. Apparently, I didn't have the guys ready to go, so that's on me because yep. they didn't show up ready to play, right? So, but I do think it's worth noting that the Senators don't play again until Friday. They got so, a lot of time off. If you're going to make a move and you know, Ottawa Senators fans are done with DJ Smith for the most part. The consensus is like, look, you got a new owner. <laughs> the GM's gone. You got new organization here. DJ Smith is kind of a holdover to the past. The sends are off to another middling start. Uh, they're not in a playoff position, are they? Are they 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 are currently last in the division at eight and nine. <laughs> what's the so... op- what's the opposite of a playoff position? So, like, I don't think they're worse than the Montreal Canadiens, and they played four games fewer than the Habs. So that's one of the reasons why they're last. And same with like Buffalo. I I, I, I like they've got a plus one goal differential, so they're not a horrible team. But they're not off to the start the Sens fans are dreaming of. And I think if when I look at this team compared to Detroit, say, mm-hmm. I think Ottawa on paper looks better than Detroit, but Detroit is getting the results right now.
1: So here's something for you that I bet you don't know. Intern Joseph, a diehard Ottawa Senators fan. This was brought to my attention yesterday, so what better time to throw him into the moment? If we can ask you a real direct question. What do you have to think about that much? Is DJ Smith going to get fired, yes or no, or should he get fired, yes or no?
0: I hope so. I mean, it's time. It's time for Ottawa to make a move. Like, I was looking at their lineup yesterday in their forward core. They had four forwards there who provide nothing offensively, and a couple that Canucks fans will be familiar with. Matthew Highmore, Zach McEwen, Rourke Chartier, Mm -hmm. and Parker Kelly. You can't have four forwards at the bottom of your lineup who bring, frankly, nothing. Is there absolutely zero? Does does he have any other options, though? I mean, why don't we call up Igor Sokolov? Are you just say we? Sure. Nice.
1: <laughs> you know what?
0: <laughs> I like it. I respect it. I like <laughs> You're going to go
1: far in this business, kid, getting on board like that. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you look at now that we've kind of uh, broken the seal on coach firings, because it started with Woodcroft, and then now it's gone to Everson. Like, he's got to be the next candidate. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, oh yeah, yeah,
0: And with the way, no, that I honestly expected. I, 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 I was kind of like, I bet we're going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be a press release from the Sens. Um, so where do they go if they move on from Smith and please say Bruce Boudreaux That would be
1: fantastic. <laughs> I was, I was hoping for Jay Woodcroft. I mean, you know, that's interesting.
0: Steve? That's. Re- I don't know how he's viewed around the league. That I- would be incredible. And then he takes yeah. the Sens to the playoffs yeah. and the others don't make it. That would be interesting, though. That well, would be awesome. <laughs> one connection to it is Steve Steos, who's the interim GM, worked mm-hmm. in Edmonton with Jay Woodcroft. Right. Okay. So that's uh, one angle they could take. That would save the Oilers some money, too. Well, that's a win-win for
1: everyone. Although, would the, the Oilers, would, the, would, the, no,
0: would the Oilers be like, ah, we're not going to give you permission to do that because that's potentially embarrassing. Remember that, when we were really hoping that Daryl Sutter would take over the Oilers? That would have been good. Can you imagine? Daryl Sutter takes over the Oilers, and then Woodcroft goes to the Sens.
1: How did it work? Boudreaux got fired in Washington, and then the, was the coach in Anaheim like six days later, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. and he replaced Randy Carlisle. So that could be a move there. Anyway, mm-hmm. good job, Joseph. Nicely done. Okay, uh, we're going to get back to the Canucks talk here on Sportsnet 650. You're home of the Canucks, and then I guess briefly, you're home of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, Canucks returned to practice yesterday. Of course, they've got the game tonight against Anaheim. Uh, big news was that Kuzmenko was back with Pedersen and Mikheyev on a line of practice. Odd man out, looks like. Uh, Found money, Phil. Phil DiGiuseppe looks like he could be the odd man out tonight when they take on the Ducks.
0: Uh, Let's play some audio. Do we have uh, Talkit on Kuzmenko? Um, Talkit, he didn't say all that much about uh, Kuzmenko other than he needed a reset. And Laddie's struggling right now. Bring
4: game. Like, I, I did, you know, obviously I'm not going to sit the guy for uh, on the shelf for a lot of games, but I felt the way we played Seattle, I thought all four lines contributed. It was hard to pull a guy out for, for that. And... Um, you know, that's, that's the, the thought process. Will he play tomorrow? Like a, like, yeah, no, he's going to play. He's in. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not that, you know, some kind of coach. At all game said, No, he's going to play. You know, he had a good practice, and we dealt with some things, and, you know, he had some energy today.
1: How much of a slippery slope is that? You're, you're dealing with a 39-goal scorer. Like you want to get a message across, but it can be sometimes for some coaches that use him or lose them. Sit him Sitting too long, you might lose them mentally, but you need them back in. Is that a tough balancing act
4: for you? Not for me because, you know, Listen, if he's sitting in my office saying, "Hey, coach, you're crazy. You know, I'm playing great," and then we got issues. Um, you know, he knows he's not playing well, and he and so I, no, I don't. I mean, we I've gone through it. You know, we've all gone through it. So you got to look and you know you got to self evaluate, and how do you get better? So no, I, losing a guy, you know, I don't think you're going to lose a guy that wants to get better. So
0: Kuzmenko will be back in the lineup, and he'll be back with uh, Pedersen and Makayev. So we'll see how. Because Menko performs tonight, and we'll also continue to monitor Petey's play pretty closely. Um, he's not out of the lineup, but you know, there's all sorts of speculation on what's going wrong. Right? Is it just an injury thing? Does is his wrist bothering him so much, or is there some other injury? You know, I know there's been speculation about maybe he's got a groin injury, and that would affect his skating, and obviously the wrist would affect his puck handling. But is there a confidence issue there as well? Um, so we'll continue to like the Canucks need PD at a high level. Yep, right. Their top six isn't. It looks it looks so good when PD's on, mm-hmm. and the Miller line is you know taking them hard matchups, and PD's able to. I mean, remember Petey's scoring right off the start. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, that's what that's what the Canucks need to get back to. Um, the more interesting thing I think from yesterday's. Availability with Rick Talkett was what he had to say about Pew Suter. He admitted that there was a setback with Pew Suter. He also admitted that it's a a lower body injury with Suter. So that's it's fortunate in that it's not a concussion, right? Mm Because I think a lot of times when guys are like day to day and and there isn't a lot of information coming out, and day to day goes, you know, into weeks, and you're like, well, is he still day to day? You wonder if it's a concussion. So I guess that's the good news; it's not a concussion. Um, but I thought it was really interesting what Talkett had to say. He said, "Suter, he's a missing piece that we really want, but we have to get him healthy, and he's not healthy. Uh, is it day to day? He's still got to get back to skating." So that's probably going to take a couple of days. So I wouldn't expect Pugh Suter in the lineup for the next little while. If he's not even back to skating yet, um, you know, maybe it's maybe let's speculate if we're going to speculate about Petey's groin. Let's speculate that, that might be a groin injury for Suter. It's because, a middle
1: body injury because it's not well, upper body, not lower body, middle body. I'm gesturing towards with the middle of my body right now on camera.
0: You know, you can have anyone who's had a groin injury knows that. You know, sometimes you can go out there and you you feel good walking around, and then you get on the ice and you feel that little hitch, and you're like, "Oh nope, I'm not doing this. I'm out of here." Right? It's it's kind of a tricky injury to deal with, and I'm not saying it is, but you know, if they're not going to give us the exact stuff, we can speculate about whether it's a it's a groin injury or not. Um, You know, like we were talking yesterday, if you have Suter in the lineup, you do have some more options. Mid game, even if you want to do it, if you want to load up the Lotto line and put those three out together, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about full time. But let's say you need a goal, or it's the end of the period, and you can just load up. I mean, Takan's been doing it anyway. I think having a guy like Suter at it, he he just brings a little more offense. Than a guy like Bluger or a guy like Lafferty in the middle. Okay,
1: there's two thoughts on this. One, and this might sound harsh, but whatever. Um, You should be able to withstand the loss of Pia Suter if you're a good, competent NHL team. I know he's a nice player, but he's, you know, teams are going to go through more catastrophic injuries and be expected to not just like, Tread water, but still win hockey games. Like, I, I get what talk it's saying. Like he's a versatile guy. He gives them a little bit more looks in the lineup and more wrinkles and more options of things to do. But the reality is, is that again, if we're talking about playoff caliber teams, they should be able to withstand the loss of the guy. I think the other thing that it illustrates is just how imperfect the Canucks roster is, especially when one or two guys either aren't going or are injured. Like mm-hmm. again, Pretty good teams can survive the loss of Carson Soucy, who, you know, he's really a third pair defenseman. You should be able to replace that either with organizational depth or having other guys step up and carry the load. For the Canucks, and this is where we go back to looking at the playoff bar and everything, as this season goes along, they're going to, one, kind of be exposed because it's an imperfect roster. I think we all know this. But, two, they're going to learn some lessons along the way about how to deal with injuries, how to deal with. You know, Tockett talk, talked about Saturday in San Jose. What was the learning lesson there? Playoff teams don't lose these games, right? You, you find got a to way. Gotta respect your opponents. Yeah, and you find a way to either grind out a point or two when you don't have it. You don't have your A game. Everybody is you know rolling. The, you you're know what, short benched. You're short lineup. That kind of thing.
0: You know what the key to those games is? And I was thinking about this, is just staying focused. Yeah. And I think that's what he meant when you gotta respect your opponents. Because you can be tired, but you can't lose your focus. Mm-hmm. And two of the Canuck goals, I would say, there was just a loss of focus. Fabian Zetterland drifts into the slot. Everyone's watching the puck. No one's paying attention to Fabian Zetterlund. Yeah. And he rips a puck home. And then we all talked about the Grandland goal. You know, there's a loss of focus there. Everyone's just watching Grandland. It's like, wow, I guess he's building up some speed, isn't he? Yep. Wow. They- you know, like, well, no, someone a- should Where check that this guy. Look at him
1: go. Wow. He's so, he's so fast. The other part of it, though, and you brought this up yesterday, is that this was another time where the team went into the third period tied at two-two and walked out of that game with nothing. Nothing, and, and I yeah. think that's probably what Talkett was speaking on as well. Like, hey, we can't keep doing this. Going mm-hmm. into the third period of games tied and walking away with zero, and then points. making
0: defensive mistakes in that period.
1: Right. I mean, they they got unfolded in the first in a two minute span mm-hmm. in a third period, and he said it. Playoff teams don't do this. Good teams don't do this.
0: You're listening to the best of Halford and Broff. You're
1: listening to the
0: best of Halford and Broff.
3: It's his friend in bachelor, bachelor, bachelor. Life from Rogers Arena, calling Knox Games. It's his friend in bachelor, bachelor, bachelor.
1: on a Tuesday. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Halford Brough, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Brough in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Accurate Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Brendan Batchelor, as the music suggests, is going to join us in just a moment here. Uh, Hour three of this program is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com
0: today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at kintec.net. Uh, Batch
1: is going to be on the call of the Canucks-Ducks game tonight. And I need to apologize to Lucas Dostal, because I called him Jacob Dostal. Dostal. Dostal? Dastel,
3: <laughs> And he's checks so it would be Jacob if he was Jacob. You didn't right. get that right.
1: No, I got it all wrong. Got it all wrong. But so who's, is... who's starting tonight? Do we know? We don't know. Uh, Laddie, you also had an error as it pertains to this young netminder as well. Well,
3: yesterday I said he was my number two ranked goalie prospect coming into the season. He was actually my number three. What an <laughs> oh, idiot! Does even know on
0: rankings. What an God. idiot. I mean,
3: Levi and Wolf were one and two. I uh, should have known that. I made the list.
0: Levi, Are- uh, struggling, right?
3: Uh, I would say struggling, but he's not doing what they thought he was going to do right away. And I, I give him a lot of leash. Is right? he their He's still, starter,
0: though? I don't think he is one, now. There's
3: three-headed goalie monster over there right now. Yeah. got uh, Uko pekka pekka Lukonen And also Eric who who is currently injured.
1: Um, what happened? Did you see, you see there was an e-bug in Calgary last night?
3: There was. Yeah. Dusty Nickel.
1: Do you get excited when there's e-bugs because you're that much closer to it? It's like a little alarm why not? that goes but off in his not? head. He could be anywhere in the world. And his, little, his little e-bug alarm will go off. Why yeah. I'm a, I'm
0: a, do you think Uka Pekalukkanen lives in the chocolate factory? or just
3: <laughs> Back to you.
0: I'm, you actually, I'm actually against
3: e-bugs. Uka Pekka do Lukanen, don't do Lukanen. Don't do Lukanen.
1: We don't need a song for the backup <laughs> netminder. There, I, I'm of oh, the, he's the guy now. I'm, this is
3: such a sing-songy name. I'm, yeah. I'm of the belief there should be a third goalie rostered spot on the team. But the NHL seems to be fighting that, and they would like to go with... Random e-bugs instead yeah. of an actual professional goaltender.
1: We we get, Batch hung up, by the way. We can do more of that later. We should get
3: the Brandon mm. Batch waiting <laughs> patiently on hold here on the
1: Halford
2: & Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Batch? Not much. It's funny you guys bring up Ukapeka Lukanen because I use his name as like a vocal warm up before right. the game. So I go, Lukanen picked a peck of pickled peppers. How many pecks of pickled peppers did Ukapeka Lukanen pick? See, that's wow. pretty good. That was that's amazing.
0: That's really good. <laughs> and usually I have a couple drinks in the morning too. So. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly.
1: <laughs> well played. Well played. Okay. Uh, tonight's game. Obviously, the big news from Canucksland is that it looks like Kuzmenko's back in. Uh, I guess more unfortunately for what has been a nice story thus far. Um, it's, who is it? It's, oh, did Giuseppe out? Oh, sorry, you were, I, I got distracted. Um, you know, I feel bad because I think Di Giuseppe for the large part has been a great story. And we talk, you know, found money, fill and all this stuff. But I guess the reality is we looked at it and kind of through gritted teeth, we had to acknowledge that it was trending in this direction. If it was going to go this way, it was likely that PDG was going to be the odd man out when Kuzmenko came back in.
2: Yeah, and... To clarify fully, when we spoke to Rick Talkett about this yesterday, he was not willing to commit that Di Giuseppe was the guy coming out, but was willing to say that Kuzmenko would go back in. So we'll see if the lines remain the same at morning skate today as they were yesterday, where Di Giuseppe was the 13th forward. But coming into the year, he was obviously a great story had such a great training camp, played really well on that line early in the season. And I think, uh, you know, Tocket kind of alluded to this yesterday when he's on his game, he gets in on the four check and, and causes other teams to turn the puck over. And that was a big part of why that line had success early. And he's kind of gotten away from some of that in his game. So, You know, this is going to be the interesting thing with uh, the forward depth that they have, and especially if and when they get Pugh Suter back uh, off the injured list as well, is there are decisions that aren't so easy anymore in terms of who to pull out on a night-to-night basis. And a guy like D Giuseppe, who has played in your top six for most of this season, and especially early acquitted himself very well, could find himself out of the lineup tonight.
0: How much of Kuzmenko's struggles could be related to Pedersen not looking
2: 100%? Some of them, uh, but at the same time, in terms of his offensive production, yes. I think that's a, a fair comment. He's also not shooting. I think we're going to have to reconnect with Batch. Last because- year and his shooting percentage, which was... Yeah, we're going to have to
0: reconnect with Batch. Maybe, uh, I don't know if we're on a clean feed or we may, might just have to call him because the clean feed keeps... Uh... It's a little dirty. It's sullied. Soiled. But it keeps cutting
1: out. Anyway, Brennan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks. It's here on the soiled. It's soiled. More like soil feed. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, so... Yeah, I guess he was in the middle of talking about Kuzmenko. I think we got him back now, so we'll try this again. Why don't, why don't we just start start over again with that question? Batch, we're going to start fresh. Can you take it from the top? Your response to what Jason was asking prior to the clean feed not going so clean?
2: Yeah, uh, in terms of Kuzmenko, I would say his offensive production being down might have something to do with with Pedersen, but at the same time, um, you know, he he what has three goals on the year. Uh, last year he shot 27%, this year he's shooting 11%, and he's not shooting the puck as much as he did a year ago. He's averaging you know fewer shots per game and on pace for fewer shots this season than he had last year, and this is coming from a guy who, coming into the season, talked about how he knew that his shooting percentage was going to regress and was going to need to shoot more. Well, that hasn't happened, and then when you couple some of that stuff, which I think we probably expected, you know, i think he's done well to find a way to still produce 14 points uh to this point in the year by you know mostly chipping in with assists and obviously being a beneficiary of the the power play unit but the two-way game is something that is clearly non-negotiable from rick talkett and uh he kind of alluded to it yesterday saying you know this is a guy that scored 39 goals yesterday but it or, or last season but it wasn't on a very good team and Uh, We want to be a good team here, so we have certain standards that we expect in terms of two-way play, and you can look back at multiple goals where Kuzmenko loses his man in the defensive zone or um, doesn't stop in the high slot when he's on the back check to, to protect that area of the ice and the other team gets a scoring chance or a goal. From, from a high-quality scoring area there. And, you know, Talkett even talked about how, like, getting the puck deep when you're under pressure with three men on you rather than trying to make a play when your line mates are changing. Like, these are kind of uh, hockey IQ things to a certain extent for mm-hmm. me, and it's something that they're working with Kuzmenko on, and I'll be interested to see whether we see some improvement in those areas with him going back into the lineup, tonight because they've had a couple of days to work with him like you know they they go into San Jose after the Seattle game first of all you know he doesn't play in Seattle so that means he will have been doing extra work in the morning after the morning skate with the coaches and then they probably had him out on the ice again on Saturday morning or early afternoon in San Jose because he wasn't playing that night. So he's had some time to go through some of these things with the coaching staff. And now we'll see if he can implement them going back into the game. And then also, you know, circling back to what you talked about off the top of the question, uh, can he help spark Pedersen a little bit? Because he certainly doesn't look confident right now.
0: Just one more thing on Kuzmenko. And then, then we can talk about PD. How much do you think this is all related to Kuzmenko being 27 years old so as a professional hockey player he's a veteran he played a number of years in the KHL before coming over to the NHL before that he hadn't played in North America at all and all of a sudden he's coming over to Vancouver and he had a very different coach to start uh, last season with the Canucks and he got off to a great start and then a new coach comes in and I just wonder how much of this stuff he's hearing from Rick Tockett. Like it's the first he's ever heard of it.
2: It's entirely possible, and we know that, like the the KHL, isn't necessarily known as a league that is you know stingy defensively in terms of the way that teams play. And you know, we know the the, the hockey culture in Russia has oftentimes been about tremendous offensive players, um, and Kuzmenko certainly is that, uh, but, you know, I thought the most telling comment from talking yesterday about all of this was when he was talking about how Kuzmenko produced on a team that didn't win last year. And he essentially said, you know, you'll get your points, but you're never going to win that way. And that is clearly the expectation from this coaching staff. They want to win as a team. They want to have success. To some of these defensive issues or, you know, I've talked about this with you guys before. The other thing you can do if you're Andre Kuzmenko is you can produce offense at such a great degree that they can't pull you out of the lineup, that they have Mm -hmm. to live with your defensive deficiencies because you're putting the puck in the net every night or, or with pretty consistent regularity. And neither of those things have happened this year. And that's why he's been a healthy scratch. And, you know, even if you look back at his time under Bruce Boudreau, who, certainly was a lot more loosey goosey in terms of his structure and, and defensive zone stuff even Bruce Boudreaux made him a healthy scratch last year at one point so um there there is a new expectation a new level he has to get to in the NHL with his 200 foot game and I'll be interested to see what that process is like for him because you're right it's not like he's a 20 year old or a 21 year old rookie he's 27 and oftentimes you know we say that players are what they're going to be by the time they're that age.
0: Um, did they practice the power play yesterday? Cause I'm curious if Kuzmenko was back on it or if Horonic is still there because Horonic looked pretty good out there.
2: Uh, they didn't practice the power play in the portions of practice that I saw. So uh, I, I can't speak to it directly, but I, I agree. You know, Horonic's shooting threat on that left-hand side in particular uh, has opened up some options for them. And then, you know, I, I think it's not even just on the power play, but at five on five, what Hughes and Hironic do together on the blue line in terms of their switches and, and the passing plays that they make to create openings and opportunities for each other is a big part of how the Canucks generate offense as a whole. So uh, that is an interesting thing, is is going to get back into the lineup, but I don't necessarily know if he will or if he should just get his spot back on the first power play unit because Hughes and Hironik have developed such a great chemistry together. They're such dynamic players, both of them. And then you've got Hironik, who has the ability to uncork, you know, 100-plus mile-per-hour shots that you've got to, you know, be honest with him. And and if you're a penalty killer, you've got to, you know, protect that area of the ice too because you know that he's a shooting threat and so teams have to commit to protecting against his shot and it opens up areas for other guys if he doesn't get the puck to the net or is able to make a nice pass and i don't know if you get the same thing from kuzmenko on that top unit
0: all right batch let's talk about pd what are you seeing from him
2: he's playing slow i think is the the way i would describe it which doesn't necessarily mean he's not trying or not skating hard but um, you know, the, the, the this yesterday, too, and not that I want to just repeat his press conference or reference everything he was saying, but he talked about wanting his guys to demand the puck. And I think when Petey plays well, he looks very confident. He's very, you know, proactive, demands the puck, makes plays with it, is aggressive and confident. And mm-hmm. I'm not seeing that confidence right now. Um, You know, I I think oftentimes, like, let's say he gets the puck and he wants to skate through the neutral zone. When he's playing well, he accelerates and he gets up ice quickly and makes a play or gets a shot on goal. He looks like he's slowing down with the puck right now. And I I wonder if that's a confidence thing. Obviously, there's been lots of speculation about whether there's some, some injury involved there. But with the way the Canucks want to play, if you're slow in transition, then guys are going to catch you on the back check. It gives defensemen more time to to get set and, and gap up in terms of defending you. And, you know, it, it, it means that it, it's harder for you to create offense or, or to make the plays that we've seen so much from Pedersen. And I think that's a big part of the reason why Lafferty has been on that line over the last few games, because he just skates North South, gets in on the forecheck. I thought him and Mikhaev did a pretty good job of that in the game in San Jose in limited stretches. And it wasn't until Pedersen laid that hit on Addison in the, the third period where he did sort of step up and, and make an aggressive play and and skate into Addison and use his speed that I thought he, he found his game. So hopefully that's a, a turning point for Pedersen, that he makes a play like that. It regains some confidence, even though the Canucks didn't win the game they had extended stretches in the shark zone at six on five and, and, you know, very well could have tied the game. So you hope for a guy like Patterson that maybe he is going through a little bit of a moment in terms of his confidence that that allows him to find his game again and get back to the kind of player that we saw early in the year who was demanding the puck, who was aggressive, who um, was, was dictating the way the game was being played at times. And I, I don't think we're seeing that same level of, of control over the game from Patterson right now.
0: Yeah, it's such an interesting way to look at it, actually, demanding the puck. I mean, J.T. Miller demands the puck, and I thought it was interesting listening to talk it say yesterday, like, you don't even have to be wide open. Like, sometimes you can be surrounded by guys, but you still want the puck because you're confident enough that you can do something, even if that thing is just chipping it past some defenseman and getting in on the forecheck. Um, it's always the constantly been the debate with Petey though whenever he's struggled and we saw him struggle badly a couple years ago is it injuries or is it confidence or is one leading to the other and at the end of the day it's both what do you think
2: yeah well so the only thing I think we can go on is what we've seen in the past because Pocket has said it's not an injury this time. Pedersen has said it's not an injury this time. And we have no, you know, ability to gain further information on the issue other than that, right? We're not in the the medical room. We're not team doctors or anything like that. But I will say that when Pedersen went through those struggles a couple of years ago, at the time, he did not want to use injury as an excuse. And he said, no, I'm fine. I just have to play better. And then after he found his game again in the second half of the season, when we spoke to him at the end of the year press conference, he then was willing to admit, yeah, my wrist still wasn't a hundred percent. And that was a factor in how I was playing. So that's the only thing I can go off in the past is to say that, you know, the last time he went through, a, you know, a moment like this. And I also think, you know, we shouldn't compare the two because that was a more prolonged stretch of, of down, downward trending play. And and he looked like he had absolutely no confidence at times at that point. And I don't think we're there yet with the way he's playing right now, but he didn't want to use injury as an excuse. He was good enough to play in the lineup. And, you know, whenever you're good enough to play, you know, the the there's a certain level that's expected from you, and, and you're going to be held accountable if you don't play to that level because you're taking the spot of someone else that could be in the lineup. Um, but that's all I'll say. Is Last time he did have a bit of an injury and it affected him, and it wouldn't surprise me if, regardless of what he and have said, if that's the the same this time around.
1: Batch, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for doing it. We appreciate it. Uh, Have a good call tonight. We'll do this again next week. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Brendan Batchelor, play-by-play voice of the Vancouver Canucks here on the Health and Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, It is what we learn time. I actually have one, and I'll do it now to kind of set things up for the final half hour of the show, where not only are we going to read humanoid what we learns, we're also going to give away a pair of tickets. Thursday, November 30th, Canucks Vegas Golden Knights, 7 o'clock Rogers Arena. We're giving away a pair of tickets to the best what we learn submission. You can still win. We have not picked a winner yet. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Hashtag it WWL and put a ticket emoji into your text to be entered into the grand prize contest to win tickets to see the Golden Knights and Canucks on Thursday. My what we learned, Jason, is for all those listeners, all of you in listener land, that can't stand soccer and say... It's got to be more like hockey. We like hockey. This is a hockey country. this is a hockey station. This is your home of the Canucks. No soccer, more hockey. Soccer is about to potentially take on uh, a penalty box, much like hockey.
0: A penalty like uh, like rugby has the sin bin.
1: Is that, that is, what they're thinking? Of they are They guys? are going to implement the sin bin.
0: So uh, today, I, 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 I think that's a great idea. Today, Because I think the difference between a yellow card and a red card is just so dramatic. Today, the International
1: Football Association Board, the IFAB, one of my favorite boards, Mm -hmm. uh, they met today for their annual general meeting, and they approved temporary sin bins to be tested in the professional game. It sounds like they're going to do it in the Women's Super League in England. Also, maybe for next year's FA Cup. What the sin bin is... It's pretty self-explanatory, but instead of uh, issuing a yellow card as a warning and then a red card as a straight dismissal, you would be issued a yellow card or caution, I guess they probably change how it would work and you would be put on the sidelines for 10 minutes in a 90 minute match. Uh, You mentioned that this is already being used in rugby. They're thinking about doing this specifically to address two things. One uh, dissent towards referees, which is on the rise and is becoming a bigger issue more and more, and they're not really sure how to deal with it because now they're giving yellows for descent. Mm-hmm. The problem is if you give a yellow for descent, that player is then that much closer to be ascending off. Let's say he gets involved in one bad tackle. You, exactly. It would right. normally be a yellow, now it's a red. Yeah. Also, they're trying to clamp down and make tactical fouls more punitive. Now, this is really interesting because what they found in the modern game is the really smart managers and the really well-coached teams won't try and defend a counterattack when the counterattack is already underway. They try and snuff it out before it starts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was perhaps most famously done in the 2020, played in 2021 Euro final between England and Italy, when Chiellini ripped down Saka. You remember that, yeah, right? I remember that. One of the more um, infamous fouls, because by the letter of the law, not a sending off, mm-hmm. but when you watched it play out, it looked really egregious. Like he yeah. didn't it was a tactical foul of very, very demonstrative nature, I would say. So the and idea Chiellini knew what he was exactly doing. what he was he doing. He was a veteran it's, guy. It's okay. actually regarded as one of the smartest, one of the best fouls in a big match mm-hmm. ever. Yeah. Because he knew the situation, he knew what he could get away with, and he got away with it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're aware of this not, but Italy went on to win that game. Allegedly. I don't really know if that's true or not. <laughs> I mean, in penalty kicks. So uh, I don't know how this will look in real time in a match. I'm intrigued by any any sporting body or governing body that wants to try and think outside the box and do something differently. This, to me, there's already a little bit of proof of concept with rugby. Um, I don't know what it would look like in terms of, well, what happens if you get a second trip to the sin bin? Are you then... In oh, that's red, a sending off. Though. Is that yeah? Or the, how they explain it here is you could actually go for a second ten minute timeout, mm-hmm. and then you won't be allowed to be returned to the match. But you could be substituted out if you have a substitution left. I see. Yeah, because I guess the other part of this is red cards become crazy punitive mm-hmm. and sometimes not all red cards are created equal like sometimes it's a guy that yeah you get a caution for dissent and then you get a caution for a bad tackle mm-hmm. does that really equal to putting your team down to 10 men for I don't know 45 to 60 minutes right it's all and so it's an interesting wrinkle I'll be curious to see how it plays out very curious to see if they put it in the FA Cup next year and for Andrew and Victoria there you go soccer
0: talk that applies to you I want to I, I want to just read oh yeah okay
1: I not sure if that was an official one or not. That was an official MooCow.
0: So I just want to put this, uh, a couple of texts out here on Petey. One unsigned says, I can't believe this is the narrative going with the media right now. I usually love you guys, but let's give it a damn rest. EP40 has 29 points in 22 games. Like, really? He's had a few off games just like every player does. Seriously. Here's another one. Different one. This is from uh, Sparky Mark in Poco. Sparky Mark. Guys, I was at the Seattle game, which was a ton of fun, and watched the pregame skate. Petey was noticeably skating slower, shooting softer, and looked uncomfortable compared to all the other guys. Something is definitely wrong with him. Hmm. To me, he looks off. Hmm. Okay? Yeah, he does have 29 points in 22 games. He's the type of player that can pick up points even when he's not – on but for the Canucks to be a very good team he needs to be not just treading water Hmm. he needs to be one of the best weapons in the game I gotta right now he's not you you don't watch him play listen it happens sometimes right McDavid earlier in the season was going through the same thing maybe like he wasn't a hundred percent and he didn't look himself last two games he's looked like himself, and he was the first star of the week. Hopefully, that's the story for Petey. But I think in the back of our minds, we all remember two years ago when he went through a funk that you cannot tell me was just injury-related. You just can't tell me that. Can I
1: throw something out there? Um, I've kind of tried to make the narrative go in a different direction by pointing to the line mates that he's had. Like, Mikhaev's not a sniper, He's a good forward, but in and, and Sam Lafferty, like, God bless him. He's not a top-line guy. Because I mean, Mako's not playing well. Are we getting closer to saying maybe it's time to skate him with the NHL's co-leading goal scorer and the guy who sits third in the NHL in points and just get the lotto
0: line back together? Well, it's the problem because Pew Suter isn't back. So then you've, got, then you've got a deficit at center. So, listen, it's just something to monitor. If you think we're making too much of it, you know, I understand. That's your opinion. We welcome those opinions. Um, I think the consensus, though, is that something's off with PD. You're listening to the best of Halford and Bruff.